All right. Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you today, and um, it is so good to um, be back. Um, we had um, a great time uh, getting to do the uh, grandparent thing. Uh, we get to make it down to uh, North Carolina, where uh, B's family is, about once a year. And um, every year they uh, are kind enough to rent a uh, beach house um, there on the coast of uh, Oak Island and say, listen, all you got to do is make it down and then you don't have to worry about a thing. And we say, we will take that. <laughs> and so it is good and we are thankful. Um, B is actually still there. Um, she's going to her daddy's church today. He is um, 80 plus years old, a pastor who is still preaching that gospel Sunday after Sunday after Sunday. And he is a, a spirit-filled man preaching in a Methodist church, having healing services and the like. And so we have seen God's goodness um, over the years. And so um, they're seeing some of our partners and um, saying hello to them and giving them some updates. So they say hello. And again, a happy Father's Day uh, to each of our dads in here. Um, it is no small deal. It is a big deal um, that you have stepped up to love the Lord and love your family love not only your spouses but also your children and raise them in the fear and the knowledge of god and so we honor you and we commend you as you've done that uh, we also want to say um, uh, today actually also happens to be juneteenth so as we're going through the exodus chronicles it's like we get to celebrate a great moment in the history of our nation setting people like me free and so i'm like listen thank god <laughs> and i'm happy to be here with you accordingly and then we also get to um, celebrate because from the mothership, some of our Every Nation pastors from the Philippines are here today. So we welcome and honor them as they're here and um, joining us today. And so we have so much to celebrate. Get to know them and you'll get blessed accordingly. So anyway, we just wanted to say it is um, happy, a happy, happy day. And um, we are um, so excited to be together worshiping the Lord with you. Um, also want to say again, um, happy Father's Day to my papa, um, who um, joins in online. He was a good daddy. What, not was, he's still alive. So he is, he, is a, he is a good daddy, and I honor you, my man. So um, thank you for uh, all that you've done. So with that in mind, let's get into the Word of God today. And as we go through the Exodus Chronicles, as we go through the Exodus Chronicles, what we're doing is we're making our way through that familiar book of Exodus, really learning the life lessons, the life lessons that God wants to teach each and every one of us, not just in terms of belief in Christ, but how to walk with him, how to walk with him on a daily basis and see the work of God actually worked out in our lives to produce the life and life abundant that God has for us as we head into glory because of what Christ did for us on the cross and ultimately ending up ruling and reigning with him if we are faithful to him as the people of God. And so what we're doing is we're going and learning and unpacking the lessons, not just as a piece of history, but understanding what God wants to show us today as a heavenly father as we walk with him. And so today's lesson is going to be this, that we must learn new responses. We must learn new responses in our times of trial to see Jesus break through as the Lord, our banner of victory. We must learn new responses in life if we're going to see Jesus break through as our banner, our banner of victory in every area of our lives. And I love that this message um, ended up being on Father's Day itself because of the fact 
that these are lessons that when you have a godly dad, these are lessons that your father, not to, not to the exclusion of your mother, but both together teach you to grow in and to understand and to really uh, uh, embrace as we're walking with God. So we're going to break this message down into three parts today. We're going to talk first about learned responses. Secondly, we're going to talk about learning to keep those hands up, learning to keep those hands up. And ultimately, it's to the Lord, our banner, to the Lord, our banner of victory. So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word to us today, and we thank you that you've given it to us. Father, that we might know you as our gracious, our good, as we were singing about, an amazing Heavenly Father. And God, we're asking you that though we live in a fallen world, that you would teach us how to really have new responses in the way that we live. We know that we will see trouble in this world. Jesus promised it. But Jesus also said that we could overcome through him. And so, God, we're asking you that you would help us in the midst of all that we experience to see you in a new way, see the grace of God that's abundant to us in Christ Jesus, our Lord, and really walk away with your peace. In your mighty name, amen. Okay, so let's start by talking about learned responses. Learned responses. You know, all of us have habits. And as, as Pastor Cole um, preached about uh, last week, I'm, I was in a different time zone, so it was good because I got to go to a uh, church down there at the beach. Um, and then I got to tune in <laughs> to the uh, service here. And I was like, yeah, the people of God. <laughs> so great job. <laughs> and I was so thankful because he was unpacking, unpacking for us really the, the manna that comes from heaven, right? the daily manna that God wants to give us in our walk with him to feed us, to nourish us, to strengthen us in our walk with God, to ultimately lead us into God's rest. But one of the things that I love that he touched on was the fact that uh, we oftentimes have natural responses whenever we face trials, and it's to, like the Israelites, grumble instead of pray and praise. How many people would agree with that? Okay. Whenever I face challenges or difficulties, you know, I, I would like to say I'm more spiritual than I am, but I'll admit to you today that I'm not, and I'll admit to you that my first and natural response isn't to start jumping up and down and praising God in the midst of uh, difficulties, but it's often to be like, I don't know if you've ever watched the Hanna-Barbera cartoons from back in the day, Right? You remember those? Uh, yeah, what the sassafras? You know, the dog with the Wembley. All right. Well, anyway, I often feel like the sassafras. <laughs> you know what I mean? And not, my, my responses are often unintelligible, right? Because instead of actually trusting God in the uh, difficulties that I experience, my response is often to grumble until I come back to the Word of God and am surrounded by the people of God to lift my eyes to God, right? And so we must learn a new response to God in our times of trial. And that's the first lesson that our daddy wants to teach us. Our heavenly father wants to teach us. He's like, listen, you will experience in this fallen world trials, tribulations, and difficulties. But know that I've got you. Know that I've got you. Your heavenly father says that he has you. And this is what we see in Exodus 17. It says, starting in verse 1, All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages, <clears throat> according to the commandment of the Lord, and camped at Rephidim, which meant literally the Valley of Giants. But there was no water for the people to drink. <clears throat> Therefore, the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. 
And Moses said to him, Why do you want to quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people, <clears throat> but the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us up out of Egypt, to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So Moses cried to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. And the Lord said to Moses, Pass on before the people, taking with you some of their elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel, and he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah, because of the quarreling of the people of Israel, and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? And so what we see is that if you look at this story, if you look back a couple of chapters ago, you see that progressively the Israelites were again and again and again leaving Egypt, going into the promised land, experiencing continual challenges. And you would have thought that when they first crossed the Red Sea, that would be their big moment. They would have gotten the lesson. That would be it. And they're done, right? It's like God showed himself strong. So you're good for the rest of the time. I know that God's powerful. I know that God's mighty. I know that God comes through. I know that God even works signs, wonders, and miracles on my behalf to show his goodness, kindness, and love to me. So we're good. But you see, over and over again, even after they pass through the Red Sea, they experience times of thirsting. They experience times of hunger. They experience times of want so that they had to come to God again and again and learn deeper and deeper lessons of trust that God, our Heavenly Father, does not change despite the times, the seasons, or the circumstances in which we find ourselves. And a lot of times, what we have to understand is that God moves us ultimately into his promises and into the maturity that he has for us in Christ by stages. And as God leads us by stages, we've got to know that God is never without a plan. God always has a plan as he's moving you from one place to another. And the Israelites were camped by the command. See, look at this, the provision of the Lord. <laughs> okay. Thank you, buddy. okay, so it's like we see that God himself, within the stages, he told them to command, by his command to camp where there was no water for the people to drink. And familiar challenges, familiar challenges can often frustrate us, but they're often part of the plan of God to mature us. You ever, you ever notice that? It's sort of like if you've been around the block once before, you think, I got it. I don't need to hear the lesson again. Stop getting me to go through the same thing. That's one of the things that I talk about my kids with. Right? Like whenever I'm talking or instructing my kids, a lot of times I'll tell them the same thing over and over and over again. And what do you think the response is when I say something that's familiar to them? Oh, I know. Anybody ever said that to your family before, like parents or heard that before? It's like, yes, you've told me that before. I know. And I'm like, listen now, if you knew, we wouldn't be having this conversation, right? Because we're addressing the same thing over and over again that hasn't quite sunk in yet. And God as a heavenly father will lead us to things that seem to be familiar challenges to us 
to make sure that the lesson is actually learned. It's not a matter of God's faithfulness towards us. It's more a matter of God choosing to use circumstances, even familiar ones, to mature us. Even familiar ones to mature us. And what we need to start having as a response in our mind is if you are experiencing a familiar challenge in your life, it's not because God is not faithful, God has forgotten about you, or God will not come through for you in ways that he has before. It's that God's using this circumstance to let the lesson go deeper and to make sure that you have an unshakable trust an unshakable faith, an unshakable love, and an unshakable commitment to his purposes in Christ Jesus. The wilderness is ultimately about our character development and not God's faithfulness. Do you know God actually cares about our character? He doesn't care just about what we believe in him or about him. He cares how you live in this world. He cares that you are actually tested and approved in him, which is ultimately what the word character means. Ultimately, the word character back in the day was used for ships that were crossing an ocean. And before they were allowed to go out and set out on the sea, what they would do is they would test the character of the ship. They would check for holes. They would check if there are any leaks that will spring up midway through the voyage, right? Because if you're going on a long voyage, you want to make sure that no leaks are happening until you get to shore. And in the same way, God uses tests in our lives to take the character of our own lives. Test and approve what he's doing in you. And that's what we see here at the waters of Meribah. Every place you see God commands you to camp, he has a plan for his miraculous provision and sovereignty and care for you. But ultimately, the question is, where does the Lord need to mature me in the midst of my responses to life cha life's challenges? Where does God need to mature me in response to life's challenges? Can you think of ways that God might need to mature you in response to life's challenges? How do you usually respond whenever you experience the difficulties that come relationally? Where do you how do you respond when you see inflation going through the roof and gas prices becoming more difficult to manage? Or the same piece of meat that you wanted to grill out today being twice the price that it was last week? How do you respond? How do you respond? Is it in trust and faith? Or is it in grumbling, saying, why did God bring us out here to kill us? Ultimately, we see that God wants us to have different responses and learn to keep those hands up. Learn to keep those hands up. And learn the lesson that God's breakthroughs come on the heels, not always on the front end, but on the heels of prayer and praise. On the heels of prayer and praise. Let me tell you, people of God, this should not be the only time of week that we are worshiping God audibly with shouting, clapping, and yes, dare I say, even dancing. This is not the only time of week that we should be declaring the goodness and the glories of God in our life. 
Because you are going to leave this place and immediately, though you've had the word of God sown in you, you are going to experience challenges. How about this? Not last week, not weeks from now, but this week. Anybody ready for that? Anybody ready for the challenges that you're going to experience this week? Well, God said, listen, I'm telling you up front that I'm going to show you how you can respond and actually overcome the challenges that you're going to experience. And the right response to our challenges is ultimately prayer and praise because God shows us this in Exodus 17. As they moved on from the place of Exodus, <clears throat> Exodus 17 where they needed water out of the rock, it said Amalek in verse 8. And then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidim. So Moses said to Joshua, Choose for us some men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Now here's the, here's the key. Whenever, please say whenever with me. Whenever, whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. And whenever, say whenever again, whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat on it while Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun, and Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. This is a clear picture of your daily life. This is a clear picture of your daily life. That you're trying to live for God, you're trying to live in faith, you're trying to press forward in the things of God, but then there is an enemy who comes to steal the joy, the faith, the energy, even the zeal with which you serve the Lord. And it's an enemy called Amalek. And if you look at the root word, you would think that it's some hyper-spiritual thing. But the root word of Amalek, the root word in the Hebrew had the meaning of trouble, wearisome labor, and toil. The thing that comes for your faith is not always something that tries to steal your convictions, though that is actually a battle as well. It's just the wearisome labor, the toil, and all the things that you have to do day by day to seemingly keep your head above water and focused on God that try to squeeze out the zeal of God in your life. Has anybody ever felt like, listen, it's hard for me just to go to work each day, much less, much less open my Bible before I do so to have faith to actually go and actually overcome there? Anybody ever feel that way? It's sort of like, listen, there is a wearisome labor and effort in the spiritual realm that's coming for your faith. That's coming for your zeal in the Lord. And it's not just natural, though we do get tired by our natural work. It's also spiritual. It's when you're putting aside in the midst of the summer months the vile things that you could set your eyes on, right? Because it seems like when things get hot, all of a sudden people's clothes spontaneously combust. And then all of a sudden you're like trying to live purely and it's almost like bouncy eyes, bouncy eyes, bouncy eyes. That's tiresome. Okay, nobody knows what I'm talking about? 
<laughs> get worn out, right? Lord, where can I go? <laughs> it gets wearisome, right? When you're having all types of agendas thrown at you in the media over and over again, and you're just trying to get to some, somebody's positive, encouraging post. You know what I'm talking about? And it's like, my goodness, where is there something wholesome on social media? Well, I'll tell you, let me, let me tell you this little key. It often is connected to your algorithms, so be careful what you click on. But it can be wearisome. Wearisome to your soul. And God, in the midst of this battle, said, listen, Moses, I want you to go to the top of the hill. And as long as your hands are up, Though the toil, the wearisome labor is coming for your faith, you're going to win. Isn't that good news from Papa? He says, as long as, right? I remember talking to my dad, I mean, when I was younger. And, you know, everybody came from schools where there were bullies, right? Anybody remember coming from a school where there were bullies? Anybody remember being a bully? Okay, maybe not. Okay, so I was not. Okay, but my dad was almost like, listen, if there are bullies in the school, I'm going to tell you this is what you do and this is how you win. Why? Because Papa don't raise no punks, right? He said, this is how you're going to fight and you're going to win. And at times I had to. Anybody? Oh, no, come on now. You didn't live in a hole. There's real stuff that people deal with in the world. And God is ultimately saying, listen, if you are dealing with these things, come to me. If you're dealing with the wearisome, tiresome labor and toil against your soul, come to me. Because as long as your hands are up, you're going to win. But when you lower them, you will see the difference. When you press into me, you will see victory. When you do not, you're fighting on your own. And you'll see the difference. How many people have ever had a string of time where you were actually good in the word? Good in prayer. Good in worship. You know what I'm talking about? You had some good times with God. Meeting with God. Hearing from God. Man, you were like in the margins of your Bible. You were filling out notes and you felt like John the Revelator. Right? You were like, my goodness, God is speaking to me. Right? And then you were like on cloud nine on top of a hill. But then the wearisome effort, the toil and the labor came against you. And then all of a sudden it got a little bit less, a little bit less, a little bit less. And you saw the difference. You saw the difference in the way that you tr started treating your spouse. You saw the difference in the way you started treating your kids. You saw the difference in the way that you were actually responding to the challenges in life around you. He says, as long as your hands are up, you're going to win. When they come down, you'll see the difference you'll see the difference. But let me tell you something. It is understandable that you get tired. Everybody gets tired at some point. And that's why God gave Moses, Aaron, and her. Aaron and her. Because when Moses got tired, it said that he was willing to lower his hands. He was like, I, I, I've tried. I, I'm doing the best I can, but getting hard right and how many people know you need an Aaron and a her sometimes to come and on the left and on the right keep your hands up see I love what the pandemic has 
done for us in the virtual space and pressing us into being able to not only worship God in person but online. But I'm going to tell you, there is, a, there is an importance in the actual gathering together of the people of God that we cannot miss. Because when you gather together with the people of God, you can actually receive the help from Aaron and her on your right and on your left that you don't necessarily experience if you're just online. Somebody can actually look in your eyes and tell when things are not all right. Isn't that the good news about family? Isn't that the good news about family? Is that you can actually have people who know you well enough to say, hey, listen, I know that you're usually like this. I see that something's going on with you. I need you to tell me what's going on in your soul. Are you getting tired in your soul? And when you come to church, let me tell you, if you are doing all right and you are having those times when you are on cloud nine, let me tell you, you need to be Aaron and her for somebody else. You need to look for the people in the community who are actually a bit tired in their soul because there will always be in our community those who are doing well and those who are tired. And let me tell you, I've been tired plenty of times. Over this past year, when my son, before his surgery, before he really got the freedom <laughs> from the seizures that it, like he's experiencing now for six months plus, not a one. Can somebody rejoice with me? We are in a new season. I've got a new breath in me. Why? Because God has brought us through. God has brought us through. But I'm telling you, up to that point, I was getting tired. When every day, there were multiple grandma seizures every single day, only cut off by an adult dosage of Valium. My wife was getting tired. Having to stand up here day after day, talking about the goodness of God in the midst of trial. And let me tell you, in the midst of that fatigue and tiredness, guess who helped me get through? You. You. I can't tell you how many times I got calls or texts or just coming into a service like this. I couldn't hide because I had to be up here preaching, right? So people could find my bald head <laughs> and say, Rollin, how you doing? Rollin, I'm praying for you. Thank God for your associate pastor Cole, who day after day would send me scripture talking about the goodness and the promises of God in the midst of my fatigue and trial. Thank God for Anthony. Thank God for Gabe meeting with my kids. Thank God for Krista praying all the time. Thank God for all of you. You hear me? Because we get tired and you need Aaron and her, not just, to, not just to say, I'm praying for you from a distance, but to look you in the eye and say, God has got you. And you're going to overcome by this sword, which is a reference to this word of God, the everlasting promises of God. If you just pray, press in, and don't give up. And you know what my prayer life looked like sometime? God, help. Did that count as a prayer? You better believe it did. You better believe it did. 
God, sustain me. Did that count as a prayer? You better believe it did. Did God hear that prayer? When he woke up the next day and was able just to breathe again. Let me tell you something. I thank God and did that. When I said, God, just thank you. Thank you. That I would check his pulse every morning. And I said, God, thank you that he's breathing today. Did that count as praise? You better believe it did. And you know why I was able to do that? Because of the grace of God, but also with Aaron and her on the right and the left holding me up while I was fatigued, tired, and feeling like I had nothing left. And as long as, as long as my hands were up, let me tell you, even in the midst of trial, I was winning. I'm not telling you the circumstance was over, but I was winning that day. And that's what Pastor Cole was talking about last week. It needs to be a daily victory. You, you see what I mean? Anybody ever got to the point where it's sort of like you just didn't have an overarching, an overarching theme of victory? You needed a daily victory in your life and you knew it? Just to get up, just to press on in the day? Come on now, anybody else? To believe God for his promises, his goodness, and his love? That Papa was going to come through that day and give you that day your daily bread? Let me tell you something. That's the kind of God we serve. He says, I've come to give you daily victories, daily strength, daily fortitude, daily encouragement. It is not, let me tell you, some of you got to stop condemning yourself for actually feeling that you have a daily battle. You hear me? Some of you just feel so overcome because you're like, listen, why do I have to fight every day and feel like you've already lost because you have a fight? But that is not the truth. If you have a fight, it's just God pressing you into him to show you he's got a daily victory for you. A daily victory for you as you press in to prayer and praise. As long as their hands were up, they were winning. Whenever they came down, they saw the difference. Thank God for Aaron and her. Thank God for you. Show that picture, please. Yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah. This is what you need to picture your walk with God like, okay? You need to picture your walk with God like this. Anybody lift in here? Anybody, anybody ever been in a weight room? Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's a, I know. I see you, baby. <laughs> how, many people, how many people know that that dude better have a spotter? How many people know that the more weight you put on, the more you need a spotter? You hear that? The more weight you put on, the more you need a spotter. Anybody ever been trapped under a bar before? Let me tell you, yeah. I was a teenager thinking I was hard. My parents got us a weight bench and I started going at it, right? Played, played soccer and basketball. I was like, yeah, 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 right? I was by myself in a light weight room, kept putting it on. And then all of a sudden, I was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't breathe. <laughs> and my sister, my younger sister, she still mocks me to this day, had to come and be like, well, what you doing? <laughs> and help me push it out, right? That's like life. If you try to do it alone, eventually you'll get trapped. 
eventually because the weight is increasing for your good and God's glory, eventually you'll get trapped if you don't have a spotter. That is what Aaron and her are supposed to be to you. Look to your right and then look to your left. Real quick now, look to your right. That's why you're going to see the back of somebody's head. And then look to the left. That's why you're going to see somebody else's back of their head. This is to make sure it's not uncomfortable. It's like, why are you looking in my eyes? Because I need a her. <laughs> I need an Aaron, right? You see that? Show up the other, the other picture, please. This is what we need to be like. This is what we need to be like. You need a workout buddy. And if you don't have a workout buddy in the spirit today, you need to find one before you leave this place today. Do you know what I'm talking about? You need to look somebody in the eye and say, hey, will you be my Aaron? Hey, will you be my hurt? And if they say, I don't know you, that's okay. You take them out to lunch and say, I'm going to get to know you. You hear that? We don't need to be passive in our faith. We need to be those who lovingly are lovingly aggressive. Let me tell you why I got friends. Not because I don't always look happy walking around, but because I'm going to find you. <laughs> and we're going to be friends. Leave with an Aaron and her. It'll help you in your responses, and then ultimately you'll see God as your banner. Last point. When we learn to come to Christ and his church through our trials, we see clearly that Jesus is forever lifted up over every circumstance as our banner of victory. Verse 14, it says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Utterly blotted out. See the same staff that he lifted up over the Red Sea, saying, I'm going to utterly blot out the chariots of Pharaoh, right? It's the same staff he lifted up when he was getting victory over Amalek. The same faithfulness that was at the Red Sea was in a new circumstance, a different circumstance in this new time in his life. You see that? God was faithful then. He won't leave you now. The whole scene with Jesus feeding the 5,000 and then the 4,000, right? He said, did I not do it then? Will I not do it now? The only reason you're here today is because God's been faithful to you. The only reason you're worshiping today is God's been faithful to you. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, The Lord is my banner, saying, A hand upon the throne of the Lord. A hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. That means for you. That means for your children. That means for your children's children.
Christ buried, but then also Christ raised from the dead so we can have the hope of new life in him. And so God, I pray that every man and woman in here would have that hope of new life. 